And we're live. Welcome back. So, hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans. It's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three dirty veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. So without further ado, we've got returning guest, Miss Jennifer I disagree with JR, so I probably shouldn't be allowed back. Back Blackstream, that is totally her middle name. Totally. No, 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 no. She is absolutely awesome, which is why she should come back more. So, uh, Miss Jennifer Blackstream, could you introduce yourself to the uh, listening and viewing audience who might not know who you are? You mean besides to say that I am Jennifer Blackstream? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I feel like you covered that real well. No, pronunciation was great. So, so there's there's nothing to Jennifer Blackstream. This is an existential question where you can just like unload about what it means to be Jennifer Blackstream. Oh, mother, author, destroyer of Jr. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's spunky and sassy. This is why she comes back for real. I know you'd love her. She's very petite and cute too. You can't mess with the short ones. They're closer to the ground. Gravity does horrible things to the brain. They're feisty. I have a sister that's really short, and she always tells me that. But then she my, kicks me in the ankles, which is totally cheating. My mom is like 5'1", five 5'2", five when she puts on shoes. I learned to be afraid of short women early in my life. So can you like lift her up to hold her face to face when you get mad at her? Have you no. tried that? No. No. Weren't you listening? She's terrifying. <laughs> if she, what the fuck is wrong she with you? She doesn't what? listen to the podcast, does she? Are we in trouble? No. Okay, good. She doesn't read what I write Ooh. either, so... Okay, then we're safe. All right, we'll move on. I don't know. It could happen. Stranger things have happened. So we'll move on. She opens up and listens to. It'd be be your luck. So we'll move on and talk about how we first found Jennifer. So as I said last time she was on the panel, uh, Doc says she'll be here. And I said, yes, ma'am. So, Doc, how did you, what bar did you find her at? The Dragon Con. So actually. Wait, the convention or the bar? Is there a bar called Dragon Con at Dragon Con? I think there is basically Dragon Con is a bar in some cases. But actually, we met originally virtually through doing some fantasy lives and some stuff about getting ready for the con that I do every year on the fantasy literature track page. And then we met in con, and it was so funny because at first I didn't know who she was because she, you're, you're such a larger than life personality and that you're so petite. And it was just like, wait, that that was her. So <laughs> she looks taller on screen. It's okay. She does. So and she's got that awesome hat. So it's perfect for the month of October. Yes, I was love that. that was that intentional, or you just normally go out like that, which is totally okay too. I won't judge. I got this hat because I really loved this hat, and then uh, it occurred to me that cons were like the one place I could wear it where I wouldn't get any weird looks. So it just became my con hat. And now my son's kind of dying because this is the first time he's really seen me wear it for any length of time. So he just walks by every now and then and smirks at me. But I'll get him later. You beat him later. <laughs> All right, Doc, you got to decide if she gets to stay. You got to ask her the religion questions. Oh, she gets to stay. It's whether or not you get to stay, JR. Wait, I'm the host. Yeah, we're going to talk about that later. <laughs> Do I smell a coup in the making? Maybe. So. Religion question. Hellboy, Dune, or Hellraiser? Hellboy. Ooh, good choice. I really enjoy Hellboy. So I think the juxtaposition of this big, burly guy who's actually really sweet. I like all three of them, so that's why. I like like his delivery of pretty much every line. He's just got an absolutely fantastic voice to carry it when they And I like the ensemble, too. The, the entire cast is great. I think it's fun, and I enjoy it. And um, and it was one of those early superhero-type movies, which is also very cool. Because I'm a man of a certain age, I compare all voices for male actors to James Earl Jones to decide whether it's good enough. He so just are you saying that. my mom's a man? Because she does the same thing. Hmm. <laughs> just because Maybe certain... you just have a thing for James Earl Jones, and well, I won't He's just got that, that voice that's like... You know, very commanding. So when you look at someone like the the those types of characters, I'm the, in my head. I'm just picturing James Earl Jones reading that line. You know what? When the one of the other characters in the movie was done by uh, David Hyde Pierce. Who is it that does Niles? I have no idea. David 
something. Anyway, but when I heard his voice, suddenly I just kept thinking, I really want to see um, Kelsey Grammer as Hellboy now. <laughs> I can hear those two talking again. I could work. I think Kelsey Grammer could do it. So you've seen him in Down Periscope. He that's uh, the movie. I laughed so hard. Except for they say it's filmed in Virginia with the mountains of California in the background. Not that we're judging here on the East Coast, but they are very different mountains. But going back to fantasy, so we have Dark Tower, Discworld, or Mortal en Engines. Discworld. I can totally see you being a Discworld. You got that vibe. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, Granny Weatherwax. She's awesome and amazing. going to compete with her? Uh, not JR. Yeah, because you changed my list. I had a cooler <laughs> selection. No, you did not. Did I pick it? Then it's cooler by definition. No. Clearly. No. No, Maybe JR. We have that hashtag. JR is wrong. JR is wrong. <laughs> no, I hear it's trending already. Yes, it is. I'm pretty sure. It will be. It will be, one way or another. So, which was your first love? You, what? I don't know why you I have, Because you. you're desperate. Um, because, <laughs> excuse me, apparently we're just going to be ripping on each other all evening. So, uh, our, what like was your... It's like pre-show all over again. Hush, JR. What was your first love? Sci-fi or fantasy? Fantasy. Okay. So what is it? What was your first memory of the speculative fiction genre? Was it reading, watching, playing a game? Um, I, we know it wasn't dreaming about JR and how wrong he was because he said. No, that that's a recent passion. Um, I think I'm pretty dreamy, so I'm just saying I'm gonna throw that out there. It would no, be hard no. to say what was first. Some of my earlier ones are uh, "Dealing with Dragons" by Patricia Reed. It was a princess carried off by a dragon, and it doesn't go as too many of them did. And they ended up teaming up. <laughs> All right, so I have to ask. Since you mentioned dragons, what is the first dragon you remember reading about? That would be Dealing with Dragons by Patricia Reed. It wasn't like Pete's yeah, Dragon first? Comprehension is not here today. No, 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 no. no, no. Yeah, maybe you should write this down. So I, I'm told it doesn't... <laughs> ouch. <laughs> I'm told it doesn't have to be fantasy to be a dragon, according to Doc, who's wrong, by the way, but... but I am a dragon wrong. in any genre. See? JR no, is wrong. Next, she's going to tell me she likes pineapple on pizza. We're just the whole internet's going to explode. No. Okay, she's got some. I mean, I'm authority. tempted to say that just to disagree with you because I mean, I'm rethinking it now. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I recently had a friend post a, a pizza that they got at a pizzeria during Gen Con, and it had avocados and pine pineapple on it, and she's. So well, that's as long just... as the noose is around your neck, you might as well jump off the horse, I guess. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> as chairs tries to find a pen. Um, so what is it that you love about the speculative fiction genre? All the crazy people you meet in it, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that too. I, I like that anything is possible. I like a lot of the tropes that are in there. JR? Yeah, I was just trying to get my head around the image of jumping off the horse. Um, I'm sorry. I, my mind was broken. I, I wrote it down, though, so we're good. I found a pen. Oh, now so he's writing stuff down. <laughs> So how did your love of speculative fiction as a genre transition into you writing stories? <laughs> that's, a, that's a different conversation. I actually started in paranormal romance. Nothing wrong with that. I don't see that's funny. Well, I, I started writing it because my parents took my romance novels from me. They were probably trying to save you from a life of not understanding menfolk, I guess. Oh, there's so much I could do with that statement, but 
<laughs> JR tried to read romance novels in we order to this already. We can move along. know how well that turned out. Oh, yeah. I think we're all benefiting from some of the lessons he learned. There. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's going to be that kind of show. I can already tell. All right. So well, you didn't know that coming into this. He, he knew. Uh, it, it's every show that way with Doc. Didn't we just do this last week? Yeah, well, I mean, they won't hear it have last week because... You I know, don't know. Just, I feel like maybe if you'd written a few more things down, you'd be a little ahead of the game. Uh, yeah. All right, I might, I might might cry in my closet later, but instead we'll move on. So after oh. you, you started writing because your uh, mother took away your romance novels, yeah. uh, how did you transition into the kind of stories you tell now? Well, I had always wanted to write urban fantasy, but I write a heavy uh, mystery element and mystery had always been very intimidating for me. It just seemed like a really hard genre to write, keeping track of clues and red herrings. And I mean, anytime you're writing a mystery, it seems really obvious who did it. You're like, every everything about this is obvious. But it occurred to me later on that anytime I decided, tried to think about, well, maybe I'll make it this person. And as soon as I switched it, I'm like, nope, that is completely obvious too. So do you know who it's going to be when you write the mystery or do you figure it out yes. as you go along? You no, definitely I, know. I, I plot to death. Okay. I think a lot of mystery authors plot. I've talked to some mystery authors that say they plot the story, but they, they have possible guilty parties, but they don't decide to the end. And then they just massage the story to drop little hints along the way. I have had books where I I already knew who, who it was. And then came the confrontation and I had done too good a job, I think of stacking the deck. And I'm like, well, I, I really don't know how you're getting out of this one. This is, this is a little awkward now. And had to take a break, like, well, I'll think about it. My, I don't know if I'm looking at heavy rewrites here. Or... Okay. So many authors let their own real-life experiences influence the kind of stories they tell. So were there any specific formidable moments that shaped you as a storyteller? I wouldn't say formidable moments that shaped it, but I will say that, like, I don't, I don't usually read books where the protagonist has children because I have children. I don't want to escape into a world with children. I'm like, no, because generally what ends up happening is if the protagonists have kids, they're always either conveniently, you know, being babysat 24-7 by someone. I mean, and I then I'm thinking, like, where are your children? You haven't checked in on your children. And I don't need to be thinking that. So, yeah, no, I, I totally get that, though. I did run into one problem once where I was like, was reading the story and I'm like, children don't do that at that age. I've had that too. So it was, it was a child was talking and they were talking like a six year old, but they were like 11 in the book. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's not sometimes that happens, happens yeah. but like, there's something going on too. Like, does that make sense? Like an 11 year old who talks like a six year old, something's going on. But it, it could have been the narrator. It was an audiobook, but I mean, they sounded like oh yeah no that's weird that gets weird but then um the other one that i've had is like i love how i was reading a book and this three-year-old was talking like they were 12. Yeah, I'm like, you know what, though, three -year -old don't talk in paragraphs that make actual sense i have i have a 12 year old and a six-year-old and even now i forget what they were like when they were little like where those milestones were Exhaustion will do that to you. Mm -hmm. There's but, a reason we're not supposed to remember certain things about our children. Right? I actually had a documentary. That that was, the human race there was, on. There's actually a name for like um, that that young parents forget certain parts so they want to have more kids. I think it's generally applied more to the women who actually have to give the birth. Well, but, there's actually a hormone that blocks out certain things. Oh, well, there's and a reason certain, for like, certain memory and... formation that's very common during labor. This mm -hmm. hormone has been i cannot remember what it is right now and i'm sure somebody really leading, reading will tell us or listening but there's actually a hormone that impairs certain aspects of memory formation that is naturally released in women when they're in labor and i am really convinced that that sole reason is so that we are that women are will agree to have more children Maybe. unfortunately for my child 
that hormone was not nearly as present as it should have been. I remember that. So it ain't happening again. You know, if you're doc and you want to be all scientific, you actually like look stuff up and you're like, oh, this is the chemical. Me, I just wave my hand. I'm like, we're going to call that kryptonium and move along. Kryptonium's a real chemical. No, it's not. Don't make stuff up. That's my job. Why a nice form of kryptonite? Uh, she's giving me the look. It's time to move on. Doc, question 11. Butcher is one of my favorite things in the world. I think chemistry. broke your internet. So, writing sign. We're going to talk about fan stuff. Have you ever had somebody ask for your autograph in public? Yes. Who? I didn't ask for their autograph. <laughs> well, tell us the story, goofball. What do you mean? I sign at Bard's Tower. A lot of people ask me for my autograph. And some people that bought their books last year found me. What is Bard's Tower? Bard's Tower is a celebrity bookshop in the vendor hall. They travel to all kinds of different cons. I think like Alexi does like 40 something weekends a year or something. I'm like, does he not sleep? if I was your wife, I'd kill you. <laughs> So they just don't sleep. Is that what it is? They just drive from con to con? I have no idea. I would not be surprised. He is always moving. He might actually exist on pure caffeine. I can respect that. All right. That is so, the best answer we've gotten, by the way. I don't know. I didn't ask for their autograph in return. I like that. <laughs> well done. And you were worried you wouldn't know what to say. There you go. I wouldn't have an appropriate answer is what I was worried about. I will always have something to say. I mean, our definition here at the Blasters and Blades and our definition of appropriate probably won't match up with what the greater society says is normal. But we accepted our weirdness and embraced it decades ago. So That's, that's the problem with dealing with geek, geeks and vets is uh, our brains are extra warped. Spicy sadness. Okay, I'll so. tell you when you're older, Doc. What? Has somebody ever asked for your book? Have you ever spotted someone reading one of your books? Yes. That was exciting. And? Well, I don't, what, I. Did you say anything to them? No. Did you? You don't interrupt somebody reading a book. Oh, that's See, actually a valid like, answer. Always more polite than some of the guys we had who have asked this. And they're like, oh, yeah, I asked them how they were, and I totally got them into complimenting me because I was like, I don't know. Is that actually a good book? Like, and I'm like, that, that, that's. So that's she has she has uh, manners for her readers, just not for JR. I get it. Well, you're an entirely <laughs> different category of human. I'm glad you're finally paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel I like she's going to save us some time on the next visit. Yeah, I saw a character on your cup. What 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 are you drinking? Whichever the character, not the I actual drink. beverage. What are you drinking what... out of? Is what he it's, it's Superman. Okay. There you go. DC rocks. All right, Actually, Doc. I'm a Marvel girl. Why? <sighs> Shut up. It's okay. I, I went and saw the new Marvel movie and actually really enjoyed it. It was one of my favorites in a while. So. You go to movies? Too many people. No, not if you go at the right time. So, <clears throat> the weirdest or funniest interaction you've had with a fan since you started writing? Story? The weirdest interaction I've had with a fan? I mean, there was that one right after Boinking Beasties at Dragon Con. <laughs> she was delightful. I didn't say it had to be a bad thing. Well, we... Well, after we had talked about alligator erections, you know, like we do, she had approached me afterward to give me the wonderful jewel that reptile penises are forked. I'm like, well, that should have been in the paranormal romance then. I'm like, going to have to do some edits. <laughs> Thank goodness for digital books, right? Right. So just because I know everybody's going to be curious, I will link some of the um, <clears throat> panels in question <laughs> to our show notes. It's only one and it's Boinking Beasties and it's glorious. Right. I mean, if you're feeling particularly, you know, on, on the initiative, you could Google 
alligator autopsy erection. <laughs> I don't think that's how I got to the video, but I didn't notice it was forked, so I obviously wasn't watching closely enough. Do you have your hands in front of your eyes? Like, no. <laughs> this is a short oh. video. <laughs> uh, all right. So we will move right along uh, <laughs> before before we lose our family-friendly status. So this is the part of the introdu uh, introduction, the stuff. I know the words. Uh, where we talk about everything Jennifer Blackstein has written. So can you give us the Reader's Digest highlights uh, from your body of work? Uh, I have three series, two paranormal romance, and one urban fantasy. Uh, the paranormal romance series are finished for the most part. The second one's open. I could write more. But right now I'm working on the urban fantasy series. I just released book 11. I just started edits on book 12. So you just don't like sleeping. I have two children. No, I like, like she's allowed to sleep. Yeah, it's like in the rule book. No it's, 34. it's rule 34. Look it up. What rule 34? You're not Gibbs. You're Jr. Never mind. I'll tell you when you're older. All right. Mm, so while this I don't all think sound... that phrase means what you think it means. <laughs> So uh, those, why those sound fascinating, we're here today to talk about uh, Deadline, which is book one in the Blood Trail series. So where did you get the premise for this universe? How did you come up with the ideas for the series? Was it psychedelics, Ouija boards, or exhausted from arguing with JR and losing? Not arguing with JR and losing. That, that's not hard. It was probably arguing with her children. And that's how I got the pixie, yeah. <laughs> the pixie is, is the definitely... Pixie is glorious, but at the same time, I want to smack her. Exactly. He stand it for my children. Okay. That is exactly where she came from. I like Terry Pratchett's view of inspiration where he said, inspiration is constantly raining down through the universe. And yes. it's just a matter of whether you're standing where one landed. I've and always you happen to be in a position to use the idea. I always hear when you hear new authors talking, they're like, where do you get your ideas from? I'm like, how do you turn it off? Ooh, that's a better question. So, all right, that's a that's a good answer. Um, I was hoping you would go for you know the the third answer, but uh, I'll have to get up a little earlier to try to beat you at that one. But next time, never fear. So, uh, before we take a moment to uh, dig into the book, let's look at this glorious cover, and you can tell us the story of this art. How'd you come up with this image? Which, by the way, let me put you back on the screen too. Uh, you're wearing the hat. I am wearing a witch hat as well. Yes. Well spotted. Not all hats are the same, JR. I'm, I'm a quick-witted guy. What can I say? Oh, actually, even on the series books, they're not all the same hat. So I do like this cover, though. And I've been reading the book and really enjoying it. So, Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, this cover, I had a general idea for it. But I have to give most of the credit to my cover artist Clarissa Yo. She is really amazing in that I can give her an idea of what the story is about and I and she runs with it and I almost never have to go back and forth. You have to change this. You have to she's just very good at that. She was the one that came up with the red trench coat. I love the red trench coat. And um I mean, it does remind me of Carmen San Diego, but I still love the red trench coat. Carmen but San I love awesome. San Diego. Yes, See, and the, the point of the cover was it was supposed to be more mystery oriented. So you don't have any glowy hands. You don't have leather pants. You don't have any obvious weapons. And well, and that's one of the things I like. It is definitely like, I mean, the character looks provocative. But it's not like stupid sexed up. Does that make sense? Yes. You know, you know the 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 tight pants with the the leather top that's like too tight, and you're okay. Like, now I'm gonna need a moment. And exactly where are you going to be hiding those knives and guns, lady? Yeah, what I always want to know is how they're running in those high heels all the time and like jumping from. Actually, I will say this one: it is much easier if you're wearing high heels, particularly stilettos, to just put carry all of your weight on the front of your feet anyways, on the ball of your feet, and in which case you might as well be running because that's how you kind of run. Well, 
when you're walking. It's really easy to go from running to walking in high heels when you do it like that. I will take your word for it. Having never However, I'm I'm always made more women don't get sprained ankles. Uh, I'm not brave enough to try them myself, so I will just nod and smile. So, <laughs> so uh, Jennifer, were you a fan of the Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego? Yes, we. Uh, my sister and I actually had the computer game. I don't know. If Me anybody. too. I do remember the computer game. I've yeah, actually watched the new one, and I really like the new one. It's too. a new one. Is it on is Netflix? It? It's good. Oh, the the oh, series. Good. The series on Netflix is good. And if you are hearing the theme song in your head, you get twelve extra bonus points. <laughs> now the series that that one's a, it's animated on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, it's animated on Netflix, but it's good. Like they did a good job of revamping it. And so is that like good for my daughter? Is that like yeah. a decent female? No, it's totally. It's totally friendly. Like I enjoy watching it, and my kid enjoys watching it. And my kid is much closer in age to your daughter. Okay. All right, Doc, let's dive into the story. Next question is yours. Okay, <coughs> so what would be your 30-second elevator pitch for What? I was trying to help Jared, you out and tell you what, what number you? it was. I know numbers are hard for you. Numbers are not hard for me, you ditz brain. Oh, that was a nice save. I thought you were going to say something. So we have sometimes 30 second elevator pitch for this novel. Okay. Uh, I just finished when JR had a coughing fit of numbers. uh, Village Village Witch Witch Okay, hang on. I'm getting feedback. That was weird. Okay. Uh, Village Witch turned PI starts a missing persons case for the FBI and ends up working a murder for a vampire. 23 seconds. Well done. Sorry, I had to blow my nose. Allergy season. So, um, I know what makes the series special, but why don't you tell our listeners what makes the series special? Well, if you share my taste, I like a lot of cozy mysteries. I like that security I have that if somebody is being a giant jerk that they're going to get what's coming to them and there's going to be a satisfying resolution to the mystery. And I put that in this series. This is not a series where you're going to be emotionally traumatized or at the end you're going to be in a worse mood than you started. You should always end these on a happy note. I think that's one thing I've really loved about the books because um, 2020 was traumatizing enough. I yes. don't need trauma for my book. Well, I know one person in these books who isn't going to end happy, and that's the dead guy. That's all I'm saying. They don't start happy either. Well, so this sounds like the kind of series that could easily be converted into a readaptation of the game Clue. Yes. With cooler names than, like, I don't know, candlesticks and butlers. <laughs> we scared her. We broke her brain. No. No. My She's daughter like, broke my brain. Uh-oh. Is this a good break or a bad break? <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> okay, so... uh Oh, I was going to steal so, your question, but Jr. wants to see if you can turn this into a, like a clue, uh, an adaptation of Clue is what he was going for. I certainly could. So, but what tropes do you think um, this this book particularly hits on in the genre? Because it's kind of like a cross genre. It's both a mystery and an urban fantasy. It is. Um... I would lean almost more towards mystery because I have I have one reviewer that reviews every book in this series and says it's a four or a five star mystery, but it's a two star fantasy. And he always leaves me two stars. And he has we're eleven books in now. <laughs> he's still there. That's so mean. If he's listening, that's mean. 
he uh, as long as he's buying them, she still wins. No, 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 no. He needs to be reviewing them with a five star. Well, I, I if he could even average them together, that'd be great. But his problem is that uh, she's not powerful enough. She's not like just leveling the battlefield with massive magic. And I'm like, that's that's it's not that kind of urban fantasy. This is more of a I would have called it a cozy mystery if I could have, but there is too much violence <laughs> for the cozy label. But it has very strong urban fantasy elements, and it is an urban fantasy, but it's just as much a mystery. And like I follow the mystery tropes with the like you'll meet all the suspects in the first act. You will meet what? the person who did it in the first act. What I like about the series, honestly, is the fact that she's not overpowered and she's, you know, women are dangerous, not because of our muscles, but because of our brains. Right. And also, I knew this was going to be a long series. And if you make your character too powerful from the get go, you know, halfway through the series, you end up with, you know, a deity, basically. So, um. Well, we kind of covered the subgenre question, so the next thing is JR's. Oh, yay. <laughs> I know she's excited. I mean, this is this is gonna make JR her leave. 21. I know. I was uh I was trying to be funny and do a lead-in, but you interrupted so rudely. I don't know where you would learn such a bad habit from. So let's talk about the story itself. What can Your you tell mother. us? Mother. <laughs> You're voting <laughs> off my island too, both of you. So why his, don't you tell us? His little... mother loves me. She likes you more. I don't know what I'm gonna do with that. I might have to murder you in your sleep or something. All the more reason why we should never get married, because otherwise your mother would just abandon you. Yes, that's probably yeah. true. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your main character? What makes her unique in the crowded field of fantasy and mystery? I think because she is a little more of the cozy type of private investigator and not... <laughs> We're gonna have to add the hashtag mom life to this for you. <laughs> it's okay. Please excuse the midstream interruption as we were dealing with some technical difficulties with that hashtag mom life or Jennifer Blackstream. Uh, yeah, let's jump right back into it. Uh, technical difficulties things. And then, um, difficulties. I'm going to give them technical difficulties. <laughs> <laughs> we can okay. just leave all that in. That was funny. All right. So, <laughs> all right. So, what can you tell us about your main character before technical difficulties occurred in the form of uh, your offspring? I think Shade is a lot more like the witches you would find in the Discworld series, in that it she has a lot of practical experience. Uh, almost more like moms and caregivers and physicians than the powerhouses that you usually see. Like she's not running around with ninja skills, you know. That's what chair? I asked if ninja skills could be in book two because that sounds cool. No, ninja witch. No. That could be your next series. I've given you ideas here. JR. I don't think she's going for it. Nobody's going for it. I'm pretty sure nobody is going for it. If you are going for it and you're in the audience, you should let JR know that he's not alone because he is alone. Because <laughs> he is alone. Ouch, ouch, ouch. I'm, I'm, I'm crushed. And yet you're still here. I am adding Ninja Witch to the hashtag and somebody will find me and they'll be like, you gave me the most perfect idea ever and I, I'm so grateful for you. You saved my writing career. All right, no. so, <clears throat> so given the way I'm you just, sorry, alternate history is not reality. It could happen. You don't know. You hush your pie hole. So does this story have a little bit of shades of noir to it, the way you wrote the mystery then? I don't know if I would say noir. But then when I think noir, I think more of a uh, machismo. Okay. That's fair. 
we will have to circle back on that one because I don't remember the exact definition of noir. I don't read enough also, of it. I, I would say with noir, you would get more gritty. Yeah, and that's about the only thing I know is, is gritty mystery. Yeah, I don't. I, gritty is another one of those words. Anytime a show or a book series is described as gritty, I pass. I giggle. Sure. But I do know that if I get the definition of noir wrong, Casey Azell will hunt me down, and I just don't want to deal with angry helicopter pilots with access to heavy missiles. I don't know my house is strong enough. So Dude, we'll move on to strong enough to deal with Casey without that. Yeah, Moab, right? Um, so were there any secondary characters who are especially memorable to you? And if so, could you tell us a little bit about them? Yes, Peas Blossom, who is perfectly <laughs> familiar. <laughs> She's always helping. I noticed the hashtag, own... uh, air, air quotes for those listening. Yep, in her own semi-helpful way. But like <laughs> changing the address on GPS if she's hungry to go to go to get food. I think I like her already. That's Maybe. the kind of friends you need. No, so what's your favorite? You need. Does she have like a favorite food she makes her stop at? Like you know. Well, I have a uh, a an otherworld cafe in the book, so that Peas Blossom can actually order her own food because they know about other worlders there. So she likes to go there. It's called Goodfellows. Oh, I like the name. Are you a fan of that show? That Goodfellows, the movie? No. No? Here, I thought you were throwing some Easter eggs in there of awesomeness, but we'll, we'll accept no, it. No, I just I just like naming the companies. Like, there's a there's an evil version of Goodfellows um, called really? Nightcap. Oh, I thought it was going to be Badfellows, but, you know, whatever. I'm telling you, you should call no, me up for these ideas. I'll help you out. you are. <laughs> she'll just call me next time for her ideas we'll fix it it's okay sure she'll go jr i need some bad ideas <laughs> all right speaking of bad ideas there's a reason you write sci-fi ish sci-fi ish yeah because your idea of math is definitely fantasy based uh, i just you know hand wave him cures all and solves all things so does your <laughs> Uh, does, speaking of bad, does your universe have a bad guy that she confronts? Obviously, without spoilers. There is, I mean, there's the bad guy that committed the crime, and a lot of them do uh, pop up again later. A lot of the 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 bad guys aren't bad guys so much as they are antagonists. Okay. People, Shade has annoyed. Who have long enough memories to make her difficult later? She's not annoying at all. Does the pixie have her own bad guy that she's chasing down in some sort of like Faye on Faye thing going on? Nope. More ideas. See, I'm just helping everyone out, Doc. That's what I'm doing. A mile a minute. All right. So sure. it could happen. She could take these ideas and run with them. You don't know. The pixie doesn't have a nemesis antagonist so much as she really Is? doesn't like the chaos kitten. She's always trying to get Shade to get rid of it. What is the chaos kitten? I want to know more. <laughs> Basically, a rod of wonder. Oh. But okay. in kitten form. What made you decide to go that route? I have no idea. Okay, can you explain a rod of wonder briefly for it? Because we have a lot of sci-fi readers. A rod of wonder is an artifact in Pathfinder and D and D, and basically you use it, and then you roll a die, and the die tells you what happened. And it could be something good, it could be something bad, it could be something ridiculous. You yep. could make grass grow six feet all around you. You could. <laughs> You turn to do that. into stone. It could be a fireball. You could summon a rhinoceros. So uh, those of you who are in the infantry, we already know how to make the grass grow. We don't need rods of wonder for that. Do you know, Doc? I know. But it, still, <laughs> it feels like a pee joke instead of uh, blood makes the... Uh, blood, blood, blood makes the grass grow. Yes. I remember. But anyway... Uh, but I also remember what sound artillery makes raining down on the See, I do know a few cadences. Yeah, but artillery doesn't count. They're not quite infantry yet. Someday they'll grow up. <laughs> All JR, right. JR, guess what? 
What? You need artillery. I mean, you know, if you just pull the trigger a few extra times, maybe you don't. I don't know. So that's what oh, we got I feel like maybe I'm in the middle of something. Maybe we should bring this up in group. <laughs> <laughs> now I feel like this is some sort of therapy session and we're just going to move right along because I'm not a quitter. That, so, it could be. I have a master's degree in psychology if y'all want to try to work it into <laughs> That actually could be a fun fireside chat. Like the hosts go to therapy. We might actually consider this. Add a little bit of booze for flavoring. Oh God, only if Nick's there. Gonna yeah. be a long podcast. We might have to pay her double for that one. I don't know. So uh speaking of characters, uh, you your math skills suck. Dude, I went to public school. Don't hate me. Oh, oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm getting more of those looks from her. So speaking of characters, if you ever met yours in a back alley after they knew everything you'd put them through, how do you think they would react and would you survive that interaction? Yes. I'm a delight. And she's so humble and modest. Everyone says so. I adore her. I don't know what your problem is. Seriously, Jar. Other than you're wrong. Yes, I know that two times, uh, zero times anything is still zero. That's the point of the joke, Doc. Jeez. <laughs> One of these days, they're going to like start showing our crazy chat on the sidebar, and we're all going to be in trouble. That's in the funny farm after all of us. I, I I will only do it if they pay us. That's a valid. That's a valid concern. All right, Doc, your turn. It's not a concern. It's a demand. It's a negotiation. I'd be fine. I haven't even put my emojis in there yet. So, <laughs> I just I, when you talk about negotiation, Doc, I'm I'm picturing you negotiating like Corbin Dallas. If you remember the Fifth Element, just blow the whole room up. Negotiation closed. Um. Welcome to the benevolent dictatorship of Moth. That's. How did I not know that was coming? All right, continue. How I negotiate with my child. Anyways, now that we've discovered my bad parenting skills, um, or my dictatorship skills, um, can you tell us a bit about the universe? I know a lot of times, particularly even with urban fantasy, the universe is as much a character as any of the named characters in the series. So what can we expect in this world? Like, how is the general mechanics of it? Like, do people know about magic? I mean, obviously, I've read the series, read book one, but do people know about magic in the series? And how is it that it's hidden if it's not? Um, there are some people that know about it. It's not widely known, like in Laurel K. Hamilton's universe, but it is very much a it's very easy for humans to overlook it because your brain will just explain it away. Even if you were to see something weird or other, it won't stick in your memory long enough. You have some people that are more sensitive and they do see it. And sometimes that needs like crowd control, but you have other people that will see it and it just slips right out of their head. Okay. So, this is a series, and obviously, since you said that, that you're editing book 12, when do you think the story will be done? Where do you see it going? Originally, I had planned on 12 books, but now to get to where I need to go, I'm going to need at least three more. And because of the style I write it in, with each book being its own mystery with some overarching series plots, I could go on for a considerably long time. And a lot of my side characters get their own arc. Mm -hmm. So that makes it a lot easier to keep writing long because you can give answers to questions without answering all the questions. Yeah. Constantly introducing new questions, answering old questions. So magic, at least, okay, I don't necessarily like the um, Brandon Sanderson approach to magic where everything is very complicated, very laid out, and is almost its own science. But what kind of like magic consistency can we expect in this universe? I use Pathfinder for the most part. I, I like Pathfinder, though. I use Pathfinder. That was my way of 
uh, sort of balancing it out so that I didn't have her doing spells in um, book one that she couldn't do in book five. You know what I mean? You have to have some idea of the power level of the spells. And now that you're stronger, you can do these spells, but you couldn't do them before. And of course, I had to write out some spells because they would completely ruin a murder mystery like blood biography. <laughs> that one's not in yeah. there. So I mean, cool, I take it that but... you're a gamer yourself. I am. That's because she's awesome. Indeed. <laughs> and modest and humble, I can tell. We already covered that. <laughs> all right. So do you have a favorite class when you play? You distracted me. It's all your fault. I'm going off script. Oh, So far, I've been playing mostly uh, casters, but my favorite was uh, my sister ran a game and let me play an Atomi, which is basically a pixie. <laughs> so much fun. I like to play Kenders, but I've also gotten yelled at for playing Kenders. But I've also been told I pack like one for Dragon Con. So will um, the pixie get her own series someday? No. It's disappointing. You no, should really think about that. She could get her own. I could see the pixie doing a short story. But when you're a familiar, you're really kind of tied to being around your, your witch. It could change. I mean, rules were meant to be broken. So That's certainly how Peace Blossom feels. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love the witch in this series. I think she's really great, and I'm enjoying... Like, you don't put all the expose out there, so it kind of comes through. So a familiar isn't with her all the time, am I correct? No. So in theory, you could write a series about awkward. what she's doing when she's not with the witch. See, I'm solving problems here. That could be a, a short. She is with her all the time. Oh. I mean, she'll occasionally do like reconnaissance or something, pop off. But I mean, you could do like these little vignettes, I guess, from like pea blossoms doing this. I've so, been considering re, um, writing some of the scenes that are in the book, but writing them from pea blossoms' point of view. So, did she exist before the witch existed, or or yes. did she? I could so, see where that could be particularly interesting, particularly at the some like because this isn't a spoiler, but like the first part, the first part of the book where she's dealing with these um, water creatures mm -hmm. who drag her under the ice. I could totally see Pea Blossom's perspective <laughs> being interested in that one, you know. But so if Pea Blossom existed before book one, before the witch became the witch, then there's stories there. Yeah, Jr. really wants a Pea Blossom novel because it would be funny. It's like a murder midget. It could be hilarious. Murder midget implies that the murder midget is killing things. Yes. It could happen. This is you not know. like this is not like Grandpa Walt's murder dog. No, no, he had murder Barbie. That's totally different. But no, I killed he had him, murder so dog. Okay. He did also have the robot dog. Pea Blossom is not like murder dog. I mean, I would love to see Pea Blossom and murder dog. Because I'm pretty sure Murder Dog would try to eat Pea Blossom and Pea Blossom would totally fuck him up, but that would be funny. <laughs> okay, now those are all going as hashtags just to see if anyone finds it because I'm curious if that actually does anything. But we'll continue. <laughs> JR and I have a long debate about whether or not hashtags actually work. Yeah, but, but I, still I will ask I will ask Grandpa Walt what Murder Dog would do with Pea Blossom. That'll make you feel better, too. It would. And they still get salty about the killing murder Barbie. But I'm just saying she was plotting on us and she had it coming. That's all. <sighs> JR, your pro personal problems are just that. Take the elf <laughs> on the shelf in your house. <laughs> I've seen some pretty funny memes. We'll have to we'll have to share that oh, when Christmas time comes. My child has put elf on the shelf in timeout. I like the ones where they got the G.I. Joe waterboarding the elf on the shelf. Those are hilarious. Maybe I said too much. There's a therapist in the room. We'll move on, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, JR. You need to be comfortable and talk to your therapist. Your therapist, not mine. <laughs> all right, get back to work. Okay. Right, what's the next question? So of all the magic you've developed in your universe, because the tech level is kind of the same as it is here, right? Because JR likes to ask about the tech level. Yes. So, moving past that, 
what would be your favorite magical thing you've developed for this universe? She has a, um, well, she learned it from the wizard that works on the forensics team, but he has a forensic spell where he basically sends the magic out. And if there's any DNA, it sends up little images of uh, what creature it came from. Sort of a. That's so cool. Right. When she goes I'll, to see him, does she say she's off to see the wizard? No. She's missed opportunities. This is why you no, need me around. This is from the man who named his dog Elvis. It's a hound dog. Of course I named so him Elvis. Can announce Elvis is in too. the room. Elvis has left the room. Oh. Yes. Naturally, as you do. He's got a blue collar, too. If I could find one in suede, totally hooking that up. He's so special. She's never going to want to come on the show again. <laughs> so, um, but having said that, how would you abuse it? How would I like? How would you abuse the spell? And if you had it in real life, how would you abuse it? I mean, oh, I know how I would do it. Who touched my cookies, damn it? <laughs> Ooh, I, like I know who touched my cookies, okay. Was it you? <laughs> no. That sounds wrong when you say it like that, JR. I did. Doc, get your mind out of the gutter. This is not that kind of show. But it's a good, it, it has a great view from above where I normally am. This is fair. That would right. be rather irrelevant for me since it would just show humans. But, oh, so it would just show human. It shows the species. Yeah, it doesn't get that detailed. Not it like doesn't individual. No. Is there any spell you would love to have and just like abuse on a regular basis? <laughs> There's a spell called Black Tentacles that <laughs> make tentacles erupt and it just grapples everything. <laughs> Go on. All right. I'd like to be able to use that one. <laughs> For instance, if you tell your children to stay in their rooms because you're doing an interview and then they just decide to wander around willy-nilly as often as humanly possible. On a school hour. night, no less. On a school night, yeah. Just All right, and if you know where our mind went to that question, you can leave a comment in the show notes and we will uh, we'll tell you if you're right or wrong and uh, you get bonus points that you can spend nowhere, but we'll give them to you anyway. <laughs> All right. So we know you've established that your, your universe has fantastical creatures in it. So how do you go about creating these creatures when you write them? Uh, do you let your nightmares inspire you? Do you let nature uh, do you make guide character you? Sheets? Do you use character sheets and monster manuals? Um, are you going to start phoning a friend and calling JR and be like, I need ideas because I'm the idea machine. I'm telling you, I'm going to do this thing. People will be calling me. It's going to be a thing. Okay. So this is another one of those inspiration questions where it's like sometimes the idea just kind of comes to you. I've had like my goblins were just I just needed goblins. Just it was just a small fight scene. Like I just need a creature. Goblins sounds good. And then it snowballed. And I'm like, all right, well, they're all masochistic and they enjoy pain. And they have extra organs that helps them survive the amount of pain they have, which I think is isn't that a Klingon thing? It is a Klingon thing. So I'm assuming that's where that came from. But I recently got these cards. They're called they're called Mythos cards. But um, Jim Butcher actually recommended them. And basically they help you kind of get outside. Because there are certain ideas that will always come more easily to you. Things that you are familiar with will constantly keep coming back to you. And the cards force you to think outside the box, so to speak. And they have formulas for drawing cards and helping you build a monster. You'll draw so many cards and then you have to manage to connect everything that you've drawn. And it helps you come up with new creatures. Oh, so I will get with you in the after show. I will write down this uh, this product and we will link to it in the show notes because that actually sounds interesting. It no, was it's for It's for writers, but it's also for uh, gamers. Yeah, I was thinking about it. We've got a decent number of people that are gamers that, that watch. So that, that could be a cool you can thing. use that for. Yeah, see, I have a writer's tarot deck that I got that was like, you can use it. It has instructions for using it to help you like create stories and even has genre cards, which you can add into the, the deck 
they're not part of the normal like like you could use it like a tarot deck but you could also use it to like force you to do writing on short stories and themes and stuff mm -hmm. Okay. So, so we, we don't normally do the show notes anymore because we tried to streamline everything. But for these ideas, we will uh, reference the tarot deck. And uh, uh, I got the tarot deck on a Kickstarter. I'm not sure where it is available anymore. So right, well, we will Google it. And we'll see if we can find those for you, dear listeners, because I know we got a decent number of people that are that are of the gaming variety uh, in the audience. So, Doc, uh, the show is winding down. Did you have any other uh, questions for her before before we start the wrap up? So, is there an overarching villain behind what's going on? Like in like beyond the individual mysteries in each book, there's someone working in the background, but their alignment is still up in the air. Okay. It's me. I'm the boss of all things. Yeah. Clearly. <laughs> you didn't have to laugh that way, all right? You're not even the boss of Elvis. You shut your mouth. I'm the king of all. It's your fault that you named the dog Elvis, so it sounds even worse. Actually, the SPCA named him Elvis, and I just liked it. No. So. Just own it, JR. It's okay to... I mean, I would have if they hadn't beat me to it. No shame in my game. And I do say every time he leaves, Elvis has left the building. He keeps coming back too. He likes it. So now, like you said, if you know where to get a blue suede collar, people, you know how to reach me. All right. Encourage this. Because I mean, I didn't. I did not. I told him he could not name the dog Buddy, since that's what he calls other people. And that would be very kind of derogatory, and he'd end up giving somebody a complex. That's fair. I thought about naming the dog Cat, but yeah, the kids vetoed that one. And I tried to be nice and let them have a say. Well, you is know, a dog named you Cat? Name the dog after the same nickname you call your kids. It'll give them a <laughs> with that too. Right? Right? You have the masters in psychology. <laughs> So I, I was also thinking, you know, some funny names like name them, you know, five miles. So I'd be like, I walked five miles today. But yeah, nobody would believe that. So what we just so on one of the panels at Dragon Con, we used the charity jar as a dad joke jar. Oh, tell us more. You'd go broke. <laughs> Probably, but I started there, so it's all good. I do like what John Ringo does whenever he's on there. He uh, he grabs the charity bucket and he holds it up and he goes, "This is officially the cuss jar," and then he puts five dollars in it. Okay. <laughs> he's like, "I have officially prepaid." So, how much is it per cuss word, and how much does he have to pay afterwards? Because I don't know if five dollars would be enough for me when I get going. Uh, I don't know. I generally am giggling, and it's pretty funny because you can sometimes get other guests to prepay. Okay, so how do they decide the charity? The Dragon Con overlords decide the charity. Oh, so it's just whatever the the, the twenty five. It all goes to the Dragon Con charity of the year, and so we've done uh, literacy action. Uh, we've done which they also took book donations, and they were uh, a little amazed at the kind of books they got donated and how many so they're the oxen the books off or no no these are ones that because they'll they'll take them and they'll donate them to libraries they also um they like literacy action also helps people with um practicing reading skills as well as doing um occupational reading teaching people to do occupational reading for like job placement and uh, education retention and knowledge. So that actually sounds right up our alley. So next year when you do your Dragon Con and all 24 people that go every year. That was a couple year. years ago. This year it was uh, the Boys and Girls Club of Atlanta. No, no, it wasn't. It was brothers Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Yeah. Uh, Big so Brothers, Big Sisters, and they were amazing. And, um, and the best part was the people that they had coming to the con and talking were also people who've come to Dragon Con before. So it was definitely felt like, you know, we were helping our own community and they gave the, they gave the Big Brothers Big Sisters a spot in the parade to march. And that was the door. Cool. So next year for all 24 of you who go to the Dragon Con stuff, we will, uh, we'll, we'll try to in the lead up to the 5,000 people. JR sucks at the math. Yeah, whatever. 
So uh, we'll try to link the charity in advance. I'll get with you, Doc, because I didn't realize that was a thing. And we'll we'll do a whole episode where we just let you pimp it because, you know, that's the kind of thing I like to do. Give back. That's a good thing. So we will we will arrange it. And we blame Doc for not telling us sooner. It's all her fault and her 24 friends. All right. I probably really only have 24 friends. My multiple personalities don't count as 23 of them. All right. I wasn't counting you at all. Ouch. Ouch. Wow. I might need a moment, people. It just got brutal in here. Woo. All right. So I love Cisco. (laughs) Clearly, this interview is winding down before I have nothing left to cry over. And uh, before we wrap this up, was there anything about Deadline or the Blood Trails series that we didn't ask you want to tell us before we move on? Uh, You can get the ebook for free on all retailers right now. I do like the fact that I got your book through Barnes and Noble because um, I happen to read mostly on a nook. And Bezos will smite you if you keep talking that way. will not be able to sit down next week. Bezos is going to smite you if you keep talking that way. I'm just saying. Bezos can smite me all he wants. He doesn't cut a single paycheck to me. So is it going to be permanently free or will that change at some point? Because this is going to air in October. Uh, It'll still be that way in October. Okay. Outstanding. So if you want to give it a shot, uh, we'll link to her Amazon page. And if uh, we've got any other places we can link to, we'll do that too. And you can go give it a gander for the, the low, low price of zero dollars. All right. Is it out there in audiobook for, for those who are listeners? Versus... Or illiterate like JR? Look, Not I just like storytelling, right? Still... Picking a narrator is hard. This is true. I mean, you know, for the right price, I could read it for you. I might even get the pronunciations right. Maybe. No, 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 no. How, no, would, no. how much would you pay no, me? No, no, no. How much would I pay her? Uh, well, you know, Declan Finn said for the right amount of money, he'd come to our house and read it to us. But I- I'm I'm afraid he's going to get some creepers and he's going to regret that offer. Now I kind of want to see if we can set that up. Man, moving along. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Declan. Uh, all right. So, so if not you get sorry. the... Yeah, hashtag not sorry. If you do get the, uh, the audiobook set up and you can finally settle on a narrator, uh, would you do us a favor and share it in the um, listeners of the sci-fi... Nope. Blasters and, podcast. The Blasters and Blades podcast. I do this at least once a week. I get Dude, the wrong you name. You gotta write stuff down. <laughs> so uh, when, you when you get the audio book, you come back and share like, it. Word for word, what he's supposed to say. Oh my God, isn't it scrolling along the bottom of the screen right there? That, you know, that's just rude. All right. Jeez. All right. So uh, down it, for you. <laughs> So when uh, when you put it out in audiobook, if you come back, you and, share and your it the logic, Jennifer. <laughs> so rude. All right. So uh, before we let everybody go, we'd like to harken back to our old reminder, uh, dear listeners. I'll assume you're here because you're readers too. So please remember to be kind and speak your minds on the reviewing platforms. Your reviews help the right readers find the right books. So as we shut this down, before you make me cry, Jennifer Blackstream, can you tell listeners how they can find you? Uh, you can find me at jenniferblackstream.com, and I am on Facebook as well, Jennifer Blackstream. All right. Do you insult your readers for free, or do they got to pay for that? Or is it just me? Am I special? No, it's just you. You're special like that. Little flower child. All right. So the, those links will be in the show notes to your listeners, and we will move right along. Give me a minute. It's going to be a second. <laughs> All right, you can find us on our website at uh, anchor.fm backslash blasters dash and tack blades. Again, anchor.fm backslash blasters dash and dash blades. We are over on the Twitters at SF underscore fantasy underscore show, Sierra Foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show. You can email the show at blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com. Again, blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com. So easy, sometimes I even remember it. Uh, you can join all the shenanigans over on facebook.com backslash groups backslash Blasters and Blades podcast. Again, facebook.com backslash groups backslash Blasters and Blades podcast, where Saska makes fun of everybody. Uh, not I just do. Me. I am not discriminatory. She's nice that way. And you can support the well, show. They put up over... with JR. This is true. 
you can support the show over at buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Hanley. Again, buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Hanley. You can also support the show over on anchor.fm backslash blasters tech and tech blades. Uh, for the buymeacoffee.com, if you remember to put a note in the comment section that it is for the podcast, I promise I will keep Doc Seska and Nick Garber duly intoxicated. They will drink until their liver surrenders. Never surrender. She's not a quitter. No. Your ball would be proud. You're not a quitter. I don't go to meetings. <laughs> yeah, who has time for that? But that's why we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have Jennifer back to do the uh, co-host therapy hour with booze. <laughs> and of course, this will not be actual medical advice because you know license and stuff. <laughs> that's my scientific word for the day, by the way. And stuff. It's right up there with hand wavium. Okay, thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. Maybe one day our co-host, J.R. Handley, will understand something science-y. Nick Garber, who is uh, working very hard. And I am Seska. This was the Blasters and Blades podcast. We'll be back next week at the same time. Maybe. Same place, definitely. Indulging our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, all things that go broom, and proving J.R. is, in fact, wrong. It's not go broom, it's go boom, and I am never oh, wrong. Boom. I said boom. No, I am. It's you the witch hat. She it's said, the witch hat. You said broom, and I am always right, just so you know. And, You're uh, never just as right. I, as I remind you, as I hit the broad end broadcast button and Hashtag try to get it under the water. JR is wrong. <laughs>